amongst brethren. You have to think about in the first century when the Bible says in Romans 16 um, to greet one another. And so, and it's all throughout the scriptures. Can you imagine, though, what it was like to greet your brother in the first century? Think for just a moment. He was here this morning, and he isn't here this evening. Did the Romans, did they grab him and execute him or her? And so that's why they were so excited to see each other, right? Now, we know the Romans aren't executing us today, but we've got to be just as excited to see each other because something else happened. Jesus gave us one more chance to meet the worship him. And that's what we're doing tonight. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's why when I say, I'm so glad to be here and see you, that's what I'm thinking about. God gave us one more time, one more chance to be able to say thank you. With that in mind, let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name and lift up your name, Lord God, for it is separate from the world. We are so thankful to you, Lord God, for this opportunity to worship you this evening. Please take our minds away from worldly thought. Keep us focused only on you and your word your will and your way. Help us to think about Jesus and that amazing sacrifice that he's made for us. When we leave this building, Lord God, give us, please, that love for you that keeps us going into the end. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Be thy will. Amen. Simple, trusting faith. Isaiah 40. It's a simple sermon, right? Full of simple truths, but it's so difficult sometimes in our lives. All right? So you think about this. God wants his people to do something. Trust Him. How hard is that? Say, preacher, that's easier said than done. Just trust me. God says, I want you to have faith in me. Regardless of what you're going through in your life, whatever's going on around us, He actually expects us to trust Him. Right? He expects it of us because if you don't know God by now, when are you going to ever get to know Him enough to be able to trust Him? Faith is not designed to be complex. We kind of make it that way, right? Faith is supposed to be this, 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 this thing, if you will, this idea, this mindset that old people, us, adults, are supposed to carry from our childhood. Me- meaning, from our spiritual youth, when you first become a child of God, we're so excited to be a child of God, just to be with Jesus, right? And then we have this childlike mindset, and then we grow up. It's the same as our physical lives, right? You have a child who, who has a childlike mindset, and then that child grows up. And when that child's like a teenager, they know how much? Everything, right? And that's our problem, Right? That's not where God wants us to be. He wants us to remain in that childlike faith. That if you ask God for bread, he's not going to give you a snake, will he? Why did he even have to write that in there in Matthew chapter 7? It doesn't even sound right, but that's maybe how we think of God sometimes. That when we ask God to help us, when we pray God God for his assistance... We sometimes believe that God's not going to help us. Someone told me one day that the more I become faithful to the Lord, this was a Christian, by the way, the worse things get in my life. The worse things become in my life. 
So well, what are you what are you counting? What do you I mean? What are you counting when you say that? Well, they went on with their whole you know speech and spiel, and and, and the sad part is they actually believed that, and they were Christians. What happened to this person's faith? What happened? Right? Simple trusting faith. Then God uses an example, and He says, you know, if your father knows how to give you good gifts, and he's evil. Why would you ever think I would give you something? All this is in the Bible, and you start going, why is God telling us this? Well, because we struggle with simple, trusting faith. If the Creator says it, we're supposed to believe it. And then that's it, right? If the Creator says, this is the best way to live our lives, this is the right way to live your life, this is the only way to live your life, it, it's not an opinion, right? Or a suggestion. That's it, right? But here's what, here's what we like to do. Um, I want to give God a little bit of help. Because right? God needs help. You know, He needs a little bit of help, Right? Does he? And, and look, we're not the only ones that think this way. I mean, you know, you might say, well, I've never thought that way. Well, you know, does God, does God really think we should, you know, how about this one? i give you one for us, a modern day one. Well, do I have to go back to worship tonight? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, do you want to? Maybe that's the question, right? When someone says, well, do I have to go back? Well, do you want to? Well, well, do you want to? <laughs> right? My children, my children never ask me, do we have to go on another ride, right, at the park? Or do we have to play another game at the carnival circus? They want to, right? Do I really want to be here? Maybe that's the question. So, so here's, here's the question that was asked of God. God, we'd like to question you. May we? All right, well, let's get the answer. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 13. God answers that question by asking us a question. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or, as his counselor, has informed him? I mean, when has God asked for our opinion? Does anyone know? I think I know the answer, and you do too. Never. God does not want our opinions. All right? He wants us to live, Romans chapter 11, please, with simple, trusting faith. Just trust him. You know, why is that so hard? In Romans 11 and verse 34, when has God ever asked for, for my opinion? For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? I, I don't know anyone, right? In the whole Bible, you read from Genesis to Revelation, and if God gave us a glimpse into, into heaven, there, there isn't anyone. Maybe Satan may have tried. But look where he is, right? That doesn't work. God has thought everything through. And I want to look at, at a, a simple, simple text. Back in the book of Judges, chapter 7, for just a moment. God has, he has thought everything through so meticulously, so perfectly, in such a way that, I mean, there are no mistakes and there's no room for error. Wow. One day I was thinking about simple trusting faith and I was thinking to myself, you know, if I were, if God for a moment said, okay, Tony, I want you to remake man. I want you to fix what's all messed up. You know, like the physical structure. And I was going, okay, so, hmm, where would I put my hand? Right? And I started going, I was like, wow, he, 
He really thought this through. I know that's silly, but how silly is it if we can't trust God? If we can't trust God, how can we tell the world, expect the world to trust Him, to come to Him, to surrender to Him? If people watch our lives, and, and when they come to us, if, if, they, if they don't see Jesus, why would they ever come to Jesus? So, so Gideon, chapter 7 of Judges, um, I, I love the account, I love all the accounts, but I love the account because Gideon is a man like the rest of us, and he didn't have any special, you know, uh, uh, gifts, if you will, other than what God has given to him here. But God had to actually prove himself to Gideon, didn't he? And sometimes we put God through Gideon's test. We don't really say it like that, but we, we kind of put in, well, you know, Lord, if this is the way you want me to live my life, then if you'll do this, then I will. You ever done that in your prayers? So listen to verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Why? Lest Israel become boastful, saying, my own power has delivered me. Remember I told you a while ago the story of the woodpecker, right? See, sometimes what happens is when life is going well, instead of giving the credit and the honor to God, we take it for ourselves. That's what makes it difficult to trust in God because you can't really see the blessings that God has really given to us because I've done it all myself. Right? We forget that. And so instead of counting our blessings every day and, and really just thinking about every day, well, God, wow, you've, you've given me this. You've, you've awakened me from my bed of slumber. I think about just, you know, I drove my car just a few miles to get, thank you, God, for, for allowing me. Thank you for, I'm not, we're, not, we're not a horse and buggy any longer and, and now we're in a car be cheaper maybe but anyway now we're in a car and you bless us with safety and the, the car i mean nothing thank you god that nothing tragic has happened over this this moment in my life look i'm going to give this into your hands gideon but i but i i got to make sure you give me the credit well why wouldn't i want to give god the credit well because i don't want to i like to take it from myself you know I, you know, someone come along and say, you know, hey, preacher, pat me on the back. Yeah, tell me. And I'm not saying anything wrong with that to encourage one another. But boy, it'd be nice to take all that credit, wouldn't it? Well, really? So God speaks to Gideon. He says, Gideon, look, you, you came powerful. You're looking good to you. But you got this all wrong. I, I cannot give you the victory Not that I don't have the ability, I will not give you the victory because what you're going to do, what Israel is going to do, is you're going to take all the credit for yourselves and you're going to miss the picture. Okay? Verse 3. Now therefore come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever's afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So, 22,000 people return, but 10,000 remain. Now, okay, you're Gideon, and you got really excited about the will of God. And you said, everybody else, if y'all are all excited, and we're going to meet down at the church building, and, and 32,000 people get here, and you're going, yeah, we can't lose. We can't lose, guys. Look at all the people that love God. I didn't know this many people love God. 
And then God asks the question, says, oh, if you're afraid and you really don't love me and you don't really want to be here, then go, go home and the rest of you stay here. And t- you watch 22,000 people. Kind of sound like Sunday morning worship and Sunday evening worship, doesn't it? <laughs> Was that all right? Okay. That was a free one. I you have to try to remember You watch 22,000 people walk away from God. And you're still supposed to have the same faith you had when there was 22,000 more in your midst. How, how is this, how is this going to work? Lord, you, you, you gave me a job and I, and I was able to muster up 32,000 people and then you take 22,000. See, then we start blaming God, right? You take 22,000 away by asking the question you asked. Lord, let me do this. See, that's the problem, Gideon. No. Because we're not finished yet. So then God says, all right, the next step in your faith. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with 300 men out of 10,000, 300 men who lapped and will give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other people go, each man to his home. So 22,000 left. And now... 9,700. And you're watching them walk. And then you look around and you, and there's only 300 men with you saying, we can do this. And you're going, how, this doesn't even make any sense. And that's the beauty of serving God. It's not supposed to. Because we're not God. See, life isn't supposed to go the way we think it should. It's supposed to go the way God wills it. So. Even in my life. And then I think about this account. And, and then God makes it even. Is it okay if I say worse? We're talking about simple trusting faith, right? And then he says, now. You no longer have 32,000 etc. men. You don't have those any longer. It's just 300 of you. And you're going into a sword fight. Right? But you don't need a sword. I'll give you a jar and some fire, and a trumpet, and you're going to go into a battle. How are we going to win a battle in a sword fight with fire torches in a jar, and how are we going to, how, this doesn't make any sense, Lord, in a trumpet? It, it's, it doesn't have to make sense, church. I want you to think about your life, please. So I'm trying to help you to equate this to your life. How many things in your life has gone exactly the way you thought it was supposed to go. Or exactly the way it, it was, it was like, this is, this is exactly the way I planned it. We, we ought to have a, an opportunity where everyone just comes forward and comes up here and says, okay, so I thought my, I thought my life was going, and then all of a sudden I was over here, and then the next thing you know, I was up there and, and, and it was all God. And it worked out great in the end, but wow, that was a wild ride. That's called life, right? It's life. And here Gideon is, is going into life and it, and it doesn't look, it doesn't look victorious. And, and at the moment it doesn't feel victorious, but it's what God said. And so Gideon had that faith to say, okay, look guys, I really don't know. Here's the key. I don't know how this is going to work out. I cannot promise you that what you're thinking in your mind is going to come to pass. But I can promise you this. God says, 
if you do this, this way, you will be victorious. And I look out and I go, wow, y'all believe that. You're here. Yeah, you believe that. And what's going to happen is, one day, we're not going to be here any longer. One day, that trumpet is going to sound. And God's people who love Him are going to leave this earth. One day you're going to be walking next to someone or by yourself and all of a sudden you're going to begin to float up into the sky and you're going to say, how is that possible? Because God said it was possible and God said it was going to happen. But do you believe it with all of your heart? Gideon, I want you to go to a mountain with that trumpet and that jar and that fire. And listen to what it says in verse 20. And when the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing and cried a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And each stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran crying out as they fled. And when they blew the trumpet, the 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another, even throughout the whole army. And the army fled as far as Beth Shittah, toward Zerah, as far as the edge of Abel Mehelah by Tabath. What? How's that possible? See, what happened was this. The Midianites in their own minds, drew up an image of a huge, massive army surrounding them. And there was no way that they, in their minds, could win. And they became so confused that they started fighting each other because they were so confused. And that was that. And that's kind of how it works in life. But here's what happens sometimes to Christians Instead of the Midianites dreaming up a big dream of something that could be, it's the Christian who does that. And we start thinking that Satan is bigger than God. You see, that's not how we're supposed to think. We're supposed to recognize the truth of the matter, that nothing is bigger than God. You ever had someone say to you, turn to Second Chronicles, please, chapter 20, that, you know, I've got big problems and, you know, God's too busy to deal with my problems? Well, who told you that? Where is that in the Bible where God says, I don't want to hear about your every problem? Sometimes we dream up and draw up pictures and ideas that aren't true. If we just listen to God and have simple, trusting faith, life is so much easier for the child of God. Okay, so Judah, here they are ready to fight a battle. They've been invaded. Here's what they knew. They knew that God would take care of it, but they were afraid. So they sat back and said, okay, we know God's going to do this, but I don't know what we're going to have to do. We just, uh, what are we going to, I don't know what we're going to do. They were confused for just a moment until wisdom steps in. Someone says, you know what? Let's just wait on God. Because you know what fear is, right? 
They've, they've said it many, I don't even know who came up with the idea. It's false evidence that appears real, right? You make this picture, this word picture, this thought in your mind that, you know what? This is way bigger than it really is. We make, someone said we make, we make hills or molehills out of, out of, you know, mountains or in the mountains. And God says, don't do that. Don't paint the ugly picture. Just have simple trusting faith. All right. So verse one. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Munites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. And then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram. And behold, they are in Hazazon, Tamar, that is, in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. And they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. They were afraid. There was a great army, verse 2, a great army coming against you. In other words, what they're saying is, there's no way we can win. And Joseph had said, well, let's do this. Since we cannot win, let's give it to God. Right? Church, we cannot win. Just give it all to God. Right? We cannot win without God. And when they trusted in God, God does things that it just doesn't make sense. Like God tells us to do things that don't always make sense. But you and I have to just trust Him. So tonight when you pray about your situation in life, whatever you're going through, just trust Him. And, and it might not look like, or, or you know, the way you think it's supposed to look. And, and it might not start going the way you think it's supposed to go. But just know that God will get you there. But you have to trust Him. So Jehoshaphat calls a fast and all the people come together and they pray. And you've read this account before numerous times. I just want to read verse 15, if you will, through verse 20. And he said, Jehoshaphat, listen all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. And you've heard that, right? You've heard that. You've read that you've sung the song before. You know, the battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing it, but how many of us believe it? Right? Our battles aren't sword fighting, if you will. Sword, our battle might be just inward sickness and illness and trouble and pain and sorrow. And maybe I got fired from my job. I mean, whatever it is. But why do you think your problem isn't something that God identifies with? And, and so here he says, look, the battle is the Lord's. And, and we got to trust that God will fight our battles. The visible ones and the invisible ones, right? Tomorrow, God says, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, 
for the Lord is with you. Now here's my question. God says in verse 17, you need not fight this battle. How many of them went into the battle scene with the sword? Right? What would you have done? Well, you had your sword. Well, we, God said you don't have to fight. Yeah, but you never know. <laughs> so you bring a sword, right? Think about that. What would you have done if you were there that day and God said you do not have to fight? Would you bring your sword anyway? Would you bring your shield, right? And all your battle gear and say, well, he didn't say not to bring this stuff, though. I mean, right? I mean, I know he said we're not going to fight, but he never said don't bring this. <laughs> well, where's... I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know how many, but I wonder that. Every time I read this, I go, how many people have brought their sword and shield and helmet and everything else, right? And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites from the sons of Korathites and of the sons of Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel with a very loud voice. And they arose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in His prophets and succeed. Just trust Him. And you know what happened, right? And they got over the, over the hilltop and they looked down. And by the time they got there, all the armies, God confused them. They fought each other and they watched the last two men fight. And they killed each other. And it took them four days. And a huge army of Israel, it took them four days to take all the stuff. That's how large the army was that was there in front of them. They had every reason to fear and no reason to fear. And that's what we have in life, right? We have every reason to fear. I know. We don't, want, we don't want to get sick. We don't want to have trouble. We don't want this stuff. But we have no reason to fear because we have a God who knows. He knows our future. He knows you. He knows that we are but dust. He knows everything about us. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And you just have to trust him. We have to just trust him. And then God says, by all means, I made you. Right? Trust me. Simple. Not, not, just simple stuff. Okay, last one. Mark chapter 5, the last one. This lady had been sick for years and years and years. And, and I believe the text tells us it was 18 years she had been in this sickness. And she came up with this idea that was true. And that is, you know, all I need is Jesus. Right? All I need is, how much of Jesus, right? Someone, a long time ago, said a little dab of do you. I don't know who that was that said that. How much of Jesus do I need? She said, I just need, I need Jesus, right? All right. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 5. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, excuse me, it's 12, not 18, and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. Well, imagine that. 12 years, you're going to the doctor. Right? You got these appointments out there. You start going, spending all my money. I'm, I have no money left. Right? I have, I got, I'm worse now. I'm, my strength is, is withered. I have nothing left. All I have is this hope and this trust 
that Jesus can help me. Church, never get to the point where you think all you have is Jesus. That's all you've ever had. Right? I, I know, right? Preacher, you don't. Yeah, it's the truth. That's all we've ever had. You can do nothing without me. John 15 and 5. Jesus says that. So this woman now has gone to the doctor. She's becoming worse. She's not receiving the help that she needs. Verse 27. And after hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, it's going to be enough. I'll get well. That's it. Church, all you need, when you think about life, all you need is Jesus. See, you've traveled all over the world, and you've seen really impoverished people. Some of them were Christians. And you know what? They do all right. And then you've traveled the world, and you've seen the very, very wealthy, and some of them are all right. In other words, what Jesus said is, man shall not live by bread alone. You're going to be all right. How many of us have the simple trusting faith that Jesus asks us to have? How many of us have it? How many of us are working on it? How many of us are striving after it? I trust and pray that you and I, that we can be counted as those people. If tonight you are not a Christian and would like to surrender to God, we grant you the opportunity that God has given to us to surrender to him in the waters of baptism tonight. If you are struggling in your faith and you would like prayers made in your behalf, if there is anything that we can do to help you, as we sing, uh, trust and obey. Yeah, if we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His word, what a glory He shares on.